Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, and I was embarrassed about being the host of a Star Trek podcast last night. <laughs> really? What happened last night? I went out to dinner and drinks with uh, Mission Logs John Champion. Wow. Wow. And this is something that we've been doing with some regularity. He's a great hang. <laughs> You're cultivating like a like an active friendship with John Champion. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, we've both had red phones on our studio desks. That, uh-huh. that were a direct line, right? In case Try to uh, diffuse tensions, you don't want you don't want the media to be telling you what's going on with the other side. I think if we ever got into a hot war with Mission Log, that's mutually assured Star Trek podcast destruction, right? Dorkstruction. Yeah, it really <laughs> would be. So, in an effort to make things less tense, we've mm-hmm. become friends. How far we've come. And who knows the shame of being a Star Trek podcaster better than another Star Trek podcaster? Yeah, yeah. It's like being a therapist and going to a therapist. Right. We know all the, the embarrassment shorthand. The guy that Dr. Melfi goes and sees after she has her session with Tony. That's it, exactly. And that's kind of your, your vibe with John Champion, would you say? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both the Dr. Melfi. It seems like you're sort of intentionally cutting me out of this friendship. Like, uh, l- like last night it was like it was like five forty-five, and you were like, "Hey, man, gonna be getting drinks with John Champion at seven. and I was like, "I'm cooking dinner." Like, <laughs> I was telling I have... you basically as soon as I knew. So no, I wasn't cutting you out. Mm. I tried to include you in all the things. It it seemed intentional to me. You wouldn't have wanted to be included in this hang for something that happened. What happened? We went to a popular German restaurant in Los Angeles. <laughs> that list of words has never been uttered at <laughs> the order before. <laughs> and you know how it goes when you go to restaurants uh, you know, dedicated to a pure expression to eating in a European country? This is communal table style. Sure. So we're at a, a big wooden table eating schnitzel and sausage and mm. drinking big glass steins of beers. And we're sharing this table with a couple of strangers. And me and John Champion are becoming fairly animated about a conversation we're having about the new season of Star Trek Picard. And we have been eavesdropped on. Oh, wow. And these people ask John Champion if he has a Star Trek podcast because contextually... <laughs> That has been made clear. <laughs> they just asked him. <laughs> and John's is also a champion in character because he's like, yes, I do. But uh, this guy over here has a bigger Star Trek podcast. <laughs> you guys got into a Star Trek podcast measuring contest. <laughs> and that, that was not the compliment that he intended it to be in mixed company. <laughs> because me... As the person deemed having the bigger Star Trek podcast, kind of a a conversation ender at that point. Uh (laughs) No follow-up questions. Yeah, it's like telling someone you're an accountant. Well, the the original question was if we worked on the shows. Oh. 
Okay. Like, are you are you a part of the production or whatever? And boy, to watch someone's face sink in disappointment <laughs> when they think they're about to interact with, you know, a production person, someone yeah. with some credibility. This is an industry town. It's not unthinkable that you could find yourself sitting next to somebody that works on Picard at a popular German eatery. I was unwilling to steal industry valor in this case. <laughs> I could only admit what I am, and what I am is disappointing. What you are is someone who aspires to be blown out an airlock on a Star Trek show. I should be so lucky <laughs> to be involved in these productions. Did they leave the table? Did they go to a different communal table or did they just turn back to their meals? You know what's great? And I've run into this a couple of times. I'm sure you have too. But like as soon as it's on the table, the kimono's open. Here's my Star Trek podcast. <laughs> One of the great things you get from someone who's just being polite but does not give a shit is the, oh yeah, maybe I'll listen sometime. Uh -huh. But they have no information about how to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> as if i host the only one right. or john champion hosts the only one which i guess was true for a while we've met podcasters that carry around like a like a business card with like a qr code or something like some yeah. some way that can turn that interaction into a new listener i'm sorry i let you down man no i, I, <laughs> I, I could have made this better i i could never countenance that like i think that when we started this show when we were just a twinkle in our microphone's eye. Right. We we hoped no one would listen because this is embarrassing. Making a Star yeah. Trek podcast, an embarrassing thing to tell people you do with your time. Especially because our plan was to make a much, much better podcast. Later. Afterwards, once we got through, you know, whatever it, it was we needed to do to get good at podcasting. This was this was supposed to be like dust off and then yeah. we would we would uh, do something Practice swings. credible with our yeah. time later. Mm -hmm. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. But like, I think at this point, we both are in the uh, strange position of like wanting more people to listen to our Star Trek podcast. We have no other choice. But I couldn't say that to someone's face, you know? <laughs> if you were seated at a communal table at a popular German restaurant, you could not say the words, I would like you to listen and subscribe to my podcast. The other thing that we really have to solve is that we don't really like show up if somebody searches Star Trek podcast. Still? And uh, I'm guessing that that person, if they were curious, would have come up against a Google problem if they tried to find us after that little interaction. I thought making it The Greatest Generation a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys a little bit embarrassed about a Star Trek podcast, by doing that twice in the same show description might... SEO that shit, no? I, I would have hoped so. We have friends at the Google, I'm gonna put friends in quotes, friends who wanted us to perform at Google HQ for free uh -huh. not that long ago. Do you think they're stepping on our uh, algorithm? Probably. Here's me at that show. Uh, I've got a question. This is, this is Google HQ, right? How do you make it? So that my Star Trek podcast shows up when you search Star Trek podcast. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. I just uh, I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine. I, I don't know what that is. No one knows what that is. Second result here on when I search Star is Trek. Is that a search engine that mines Bitcoin? 
<laughs> while you search? Probably. Uh, second result here, uh, after just Star Trek, the pod directive, is 70 best Star Trek podcasts you must follow in 2023. I bet you everything that we don't show up on a top 70 list. All I do is bets, bets, bets. No well, I'm going to give you over-ender top 10. Wow. Wow. Uh, as, so by over, I'm saying 10 to 77, and under, I'm saying 1 to 9? I'm saying over, we're in the top 10, under, okay. we are not in the top 10. Okay. I am, through context clues, I'm going to, I'm going to take the over, because that is a complimentary over-under number to have used. <laughs> we, we are outside of the top 10. We're, uh, we're several places below Star Trek The Next Conversation at 17, but we're, uh-huh. we're one above Mission Log, which is at 18. On that list, we're seated right next to Mission Log at the communal table. Yeah. The official Star Trek podcast should be number one. It should be just be a two through 77 list. This 70 podcast list also appears to only have 62 podcasts on it, so... <laughs> I don't think it's a valid list. It's not a valid Throw list. Throw it out. It doesn't have greatest track on it at all. It fucking yeah. blows. If you are voting on a top Star Trek podcast, stay in line. <laughs> they, they must let you vote if you're already in line. Well, that was my social nightmare last night. Mm. I, half of it was good. The hang was good. The uh, communal table, not as good. <laughs> Yeah, don't really care for that. So what I'm saying is you you dodged one, Ben. Yeah. Uh, by by me inviting you too late for you possibly to attend. Uh, <laughs> there's no FOMO there, right? Yeah. Should we get into today's episode or you had a you said you had a uh uh like a disclaimer before we talk about today's episode. Was that right? Oh yeah. I just want to say this. A lot of rhymy names of Malons, a lot mm. of Malon names that sound alike. And uh, I just want to say, I'm going to look into the camera right now when I say this. I want the Friends of DeSoto to know how sincere I am when I say, I'm not a Malon racist. (laughs) I can tell them apart. Uh, The names are just difficult for me to grasp. I'm going to do the best I can. When we talk about Fezzik, Pelk, and Dremp... (laughs) You can't pre-quad box this, Adam. You're getting in trouble. (laughs) I'm just going to say, going into this, you're getting in trouble for forgetting who's who among the Malon. Enormous episode today of Star Trek Voyager. It really is. Um, What are other words that mean enormous? Uh, Gigantic. Legendary. Big. (laughs) It's Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 20. Juggernaut. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> I've never seen a Malon goofing around with toys, Adam. Kind of makes you feel differently about the Malon, right? Right. They're not all just like pimply, boil-covered guys <laughs> in still suits, you know? Like they've got a very like Harkonnen vibe mm-hmm. when you see them at work. Yeah. But they're but they're really fun-loving people at the end of the day. You take the worst person and you stick a little model in their hands and have them like fly around the room with it. That's great, right? <laughs> Changed my mind. Yeah. Look at the detail on my dorsal plating. Impressive. Really sweet. So this guy's flying his uh, his model ship around the bridge of a Malon freighter and 
He's uh, he's not looking where he's going, and he bumps right into Ron Canada. Is the Juggernaut title about him as an actor? Because Ron Canada's fucking great. So, somebody that looms as large over our <laughs> imaginations as fans of Star Trek as he does. God, just the best. Yeah. I mean, because it's a youth flying a model around and it's Ron Canada playing one of the characters, when this banger hits... You're rooting for the Malons. For the first time ever. You want them to get out of this problem. Yeah, you want the Malons not to die, not to suffer. This toxic waste leak is out of control and uh, not even ejecting all of their toxic waste into a planet nearby <laughs> seems sufficient to solve their problem. Yeah, they, they're they talking about, you know, like, to save ourselves, we might have to doom an entire planet. And Ron Canada's like, fine, look, I'm really okay with that. <laughs> but in this case, I don't know if that's going to solve the entirety of the thing. Yeah, uh, but the, the, uh, the tank ejection systems aren't even working, man. We get a fun submarine-style death here when a lowly officer needs to be ordered into the tanks to fix a thing. Yeah. Knowing that they're going to die. He's for sure going to buy the Tetrion farm or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, we're, we're never going to see this character again. I mean, not playing this character anyway, because did you recognize him? This guy sent to his death is the Vulcan guy with the hots for BLT. It is? This is uh, the actor who plays Vorik, Alexander Enberg. Oh, I totally assumed that he was the same as the guy that shows up at the end. I thought that the Malon boogeyman was this guy and no. that he was mad at them from the beginning specifically. No. I completely no. misunderstood this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. All right. It's fine. And and here's a way that, that I was able to remember it, Ben, is this guy is horny for danger. Mm. And he is ready to die for the cause. Yeah. He's, uh, he's worried about getting contaminated, but that's an order. And orders is orders. So down he goes. With what we learn about Malon culture and like these jobs and how they're paid, I could have used a little dialogue twist in this. Like, uh, you gonna pay my family extra for what I'm about to do? Because yeah. there sure is a hierarchy in pay when it comes to dangerous jobs in a Malon freighter. I mean, do you think controller Ron Canada is getting paid less than everybody else? He says that the people who work next to the core are statistically. They have like a a thirty percent chance of surviving the trip, but they get paid. Right, but their families get like a lifetime salary. Yeah, I'd take that deal anytime. <laughs> if you told me that I had a thirty percent chance of surviving recording podcasts right. about the entire run of Star Trek, and if I died in the in the process, my family would. Receive wealth beyond the dreams of avarice? I'd take that deal. You get paid like one McElroy's annual salary <laughs> for doing it? <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> Sign me up yesterday! All I do is bets, bets, bets. No so that's our little cold open, and we come back from the title sequence. We've got Tuvok in a robe, and uh, I thought it was Janeway overlooking out the bum-out window. Um, yeah. But Duvok's talking about managing your temper. So it's not Janeway. It's BLT. And this is like uh, like Vulcan anger management, basically, is the class he's right. teaching. But it seems to have a lot in common with the class he taught Cass about how to freshen people up 
in a way that made me a little bit concerned that BLT is not really the person you want to teach those lessons to. This does seem to be like a court-mandated type of anger management training situation, right? Because we learn that Chakotay has ordered her to learn how to meditate after smashing a Dakarazzi's camera in engineering. <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was she was getting out of the the Maybach trying to show up at the warp core that day and he's taking yeah. upskirts and it's like Hey, man, just back off and let me get out of the fucking car. If I were ordered to meditate, Ben, that's maybe the only way I could do it daily. I've really fallen off. Oh, no. You used to, yeah. you used to really have that going as like, a, as like a main thing every day. I don't know what happened. The, the pattern was broken, and I'm struggling to put it back together. Oh, man. I was really like optimistic about life in general when I knew, well, at least Adam's out there meditating every day. Yeah, time to lose that optimism. <laughs> what a naive fool I've been, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you actually thought I would work on myself and stick with it? The rage within you runs deep. I'm not a Vulcan, I'll survive. One of the questions uh, she has asked is to like call back a time in her childhood where her temper got the better of her. And she like, rigged some schoolyard toy to uh to like nearly kill one of her classmates using her precocious engineering skills that she had as a child. I love this part, but not in the way that the episode wants me to. Like so many comedians have like an origin story of like I used to really get picked on as a kid and like I was uh -huh. like one of the smaller kids in my class, so I learned to use my sense of humor as like a as like a way of protecting myself. And uh, that's sort of the same thing for BLT and engineering. Like she would get made fun of for her forehead ridges and she became an engineer to mangle her classmates if they ever said anything about them. Did this remind you at all of the story of Worf kicking a kid in half playing soccer? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that story that was completely glossed over? <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about that. I had not felt the impact, but I had broken his neck, and he died the next day. Oh, my God! So he kicked the kid, and the kid just split in two? <laughs> Everyone welcomes back Old Worf on Star Trek Picard Season 3, completely forgetting the story of him kicking a kid in half playing soccer. <laughs> yeah, does Raffi know about that? It's hard to fully love Worf, given that story. <laughs> and does this change how you feel about BLT? She's the kid that the teachers pay a special attention to because they're, like, killing small animals and stuff, you know? Right. Like, this... Kids don't grow up right when they start torturing their classmates. Yeah. She was called Miss Turtlehead when she was in elementary school. I was called Mr. Turtlehead, but that was because I was already always like on the verge of taking a shit. We've uh, like like two college roommates, Ben. We've synchronized our jokes. Like, <laughs> I could have said that verbatim right on top. <laughs> Up on the bridge, Tuvok is at his station later, and Paris comes up to him and is like, so have you managed to make my girlfriend tolerable to be around? Serious question. Does Paris have a black eye in this scene? Oh, I think that's just a weird lighting thing. I, I, I feel like the light is coming from like, like it, 
like the key light that's on his face is coming yeah. from like too far off axis, and his he's nose. He's got is... kind of a uh, a Cardassian eye, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, which is all the rage right now. But oh, yeah. I don't think that's what Paris is going for. Yeah. Contouring is out. Cardassian eye is in. Get on board. Watch some YouTube tutorials. In a moment where someone is asking about their partner uh, being violent, I think you got to be sure that the person asking the question doesn't have a black eye during because it changes the whole mood. Hey, bestie, hang out with me while I get ready to rescue two out of the entire crew of Malons from a cloud of Malon escape vessels. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. They pull up to this cloud and uh, and, and find uh, that only Ron Canada and his little buddy with the model ship have survived. I love the commitment to a color palette that, that Malon have, right? Like these... 37 brown escape pods <laughs> are oddly beautiful floating in space, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like a really nice brown couch <laughs> is is like a great centerpiece for any home. We're getting one of our weekly atmospheric rivers here in California, and my uh-huh. across-the-street neighbors, I guess, got a new couch, so they put what looked like a very nice old couch out on the sidewalk, like a... Uh, right in the river. Like a, a nice like brown velour couch. And I, I went over and looked at it and I was like, dang, this couch doesn't really go with our stuff, but it is it's kind of a kind of a banging couch. Maybe I should like pull it into my office or something. Uh-huh. I thought about it. And then by the time I made up my mind, I was like, I'm going to go do it. I looked outside and it was like pouring rain on the couch. That couch is as soaked as the couch you have in your studio right now. Mm-hmm. What good is that going to do? Yeah. I don't need to swap <laughs> one wet couch out for another. <laughs> you already have a wet-ass couch. Yeah. There's some water in this couch. There's some water in this couch. Some water in this couch. There's some water in this couch. I said sidewalk couch is brown. Made me want to go sit down. Wet-ass cushion super soap. Make your pants look like a joke. I'm really glad that... Ron Canada is one of the two survivors here. It would have been sad if Ron died and they brought two randoms up, but truly, here they are in Six Bay. Only a few of us made it, he says, when he wakes up on the bio bed and uh, he introduces himself as Controller Fesek. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he like sits up and sees that there's only one other guy from his ship in there. And he's like, oh, so the rest are uh, all like, uh, you know, taking showers and like getting new outfits, right? And they're like, no, and there won't be any new outfits for any of you. Pelk grabs the doctor by his lapels, and he's like, where's my model? <laughs> Tell me you saved my model. <laughs> Sorry, kid. It's dead. Yeah. The, the doctor does that thing that so many physicians do when they lose a patient. He just kind of like turns his head down and looks away. <laughs> He pulls a sheet over the model yeah. in the bio bed next to Pelk. He says, it never gets any easier. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wants to know what's wrong with their ship. And he's like, oh, yeah, like uh, we had this leak. And he's like, anyways, how uh, how far away is it? And she gives some very far sounding distance. And he's like, fuck, we got to get out of here. It's too close. <laughs> this scene is played for such drama, like a different kind of drama than we actually get, because Fezzik tells his story of woe as if he's Captain Shaw from Jaws. Mm-hmm. But 
this guy is like the captain of the Exxon Valdez. Like <laughs> he doesn't get cool points for this storytelling moment at all. Yeah, and and he's like, so the ship is definitely going to blow up, and when it does, everything in a three light year radius is going to be vaporized by what happens. Yeah. So I would I would turn around and go to warp now, and Janeway calls this up to the bridge. Chakotay tosses that order off to Paris, who steps on it, and the 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 engine, you know, the, they're like stuck in the mud. The uh, the radiation that the ship is giving off is so powerful, even this far away from it, that they cannot hit warp. What is it? Theta radiation? Sure is. You hate to hear about theta radiation, right? Those guys are on probation. <laughs> yeah. After what they did to the Dean. Robot house! So this is an intense moment because if they can't escape the blast radius of this ship, kind of their only shot is to fix what's wrong with the ship. So instead of turning away, they turn toward the freighter to try to fix it. Yeah. Fesic is not psyched about this. Like the, if we can't get away from it, we should go toward it and forestall the explosion plan. Doesn't seem like a good plan to him. Well, this is great because like, if the captain wants to go back onto his fucking gummy escape pod, <laughs> uh, that thing's not going to reach escape velocity either, you know? There's coffee in your escape pod. The ultimatum is just stay on the ship or die. So as as they're en route to the ship, they're talking about like what the situation is over there. It's got life support, however... Most of the decks uh, of the ship are like flooded with irradiated gas. So if they go over there, they're going to melt, basically. I love how really, really interested everyone on Voyager is in beaming over and how both Malons are like, <laughs> you're fucking crazy. <laughs> have you seen these fucking suits we have to wear? You guys yeah. don't have these suits. <laughs> <laughs> and all of BLT's piping up is really not productive here either. Every time she interacts with the Malon, it's like, you guys should have thought of that before you built your entire economy on theta radiation. She has fallen off the meditation horse like I have, <laughs> and it's just a real hair trigger. Yeah. It's hard to be around the two of you right now. The Malon captain has kind of a cool idea. Like, why don't we hide in that nebula over there? That way, the blast can't get us. And Janeway's like, well, what about the three other ships out here floating around? They can't make it to the nebula. And the Malon's like, <laughs> sucks for them. Yeah. And BLT is like, well, maybe you should have thought of that before you took all this nasty, toxic waste out here. Yeah. And then, like, Harry Kim is like, uh, Captain, I'm scanning the nebula and I'm getting some interesting biometric readings from it. And she's like, Jesus uh... Christ, another one. <laughs> Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. I lasted 22 minutes. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. Is there any kind of nebula that isn't also alive? <laughs> Tell him about the Vahar is what Pelk says. Mm. And Fezzik is like, God, not the Vahar again. Yeah. Jesus. This fucking sucks. BLT is like, is that like a Dahar? Like a mastery of uh, the, the ways of Kalas? Like maybe even if you 
kick a fellow student in half on a soccer field, you could become one in old age. <laughs> Orb kicks him. The Vahar are creatures of legend that yeah. live in the storage tanks on these Malon ships, and they're like Yetis or Bigfoots. Like the like people, non non credible people claim to have seen the Vahar living on board Malon ships. What's he talking about? I seen them. Nobody in the like square community has bought into this, you know, like, like Ron Canada is L7 and he doesn't buy this Vahar <laughs> bullshit. All the goodwill that the, that the Malon built up in that first scene is now gone. As soon as I consider the Malon don't give a shit about other people. And they also cling to these bullshit superstitions. Like they should be law for everyone else. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> These people are the worst. Yeah. Down on the warp core, uh, they're like working on a plan for how they're going to work their way through the ship. And and it's going to be like a vent, a deck, go onto it, uh, make your way to the next deck, vent that, go onto it. They gotta, they're going to have to work their way through it. And um, it's, it's vents and ladders, isn't it? It's a, yeah. It's much like the game of buttholes. Neelix, for some reason, is the resident waste management expert on the crew and uh, is going to be heavily involved in this away mission. And he has a special, like, corduroy radiation suit for this one. Yeah, he's got action pajamas. And he's clearly the most comfortable person on this away mission later on. It looks so cozy, doesn't it? I was shocked that the most superstitious characters in this episode are also just fine with the radiation vaccine that the doctor has. Yeah. I like when superstition comes up, Chakotay's like, I'm all ears. Tell me more. (laughs) Tell me more about the mythical beast. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) somehow this crew has become Chakotay, BLT, Neelix, and the two Malon. After everyone else leaves the uh, engineering section, Chakotay pulls BLT aside for a quick zup and is like, hey, uh, I know uh, it's really tempting to you to start every sentence with, well, you should have thought of that before you dot, dot, dot. And I'm just <laughs> here to say that diplomacy is going to be the way on this one. Also, I'm going to completely ignore being a Mayquees together and maybe that being a reason that you would listen to me over the captain or any other kind of interesting way why our relationship could be <laughs> like, why don't they refer to that ever anymore? Yeah. I mean, like there should be a special kind of respect between BLT and Chicote for that reason. Yeah. Or like a, or like a, a shorthand that we don't quite know what it means. Like he says the thing about this is not coming from the captain. This is coming from me, but it would have been so much cooler if he'd said like, this is like Omicron prime, you know? Yeah. You remember when we murdered those 2,000 Cardassian assholes on that one planet? If you're good, it might feel like that. I've got to get that. Latinum. Get that. Roll I've got to get that. Latinum. Would not. Are you planning a heist? Gold. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? 
Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Or not, I think we've just struck gold. They're worried that this project is going to take kind of a long time because it's going to be slow going, working their way through this ship. And there is going to be sort of a ticking clock because they're going to get an injection from the doctor that will protect them from the radiation. But it it's going to wear off. Unfortunately, uh, Neelix doesn't want 
the injection. He instead makes a soup of horse tranquilizer and broccoli cheese by the looks of it. I love that Talaxians have a folksy home remedy for theta radiation. Crushed Rama leaf and Captilian clove. Sounds great. Ethan Phillips' performance of not wanting to put this in his mouth, like almost being afraid of putting it, not even that he's like yeah. disgusted, but that he like fears it. Yeah. Is very upsetting. Is the idea that he has to eat it all? Because he made a lot. He can barely get one sip full down. And then like what he can't consume, he coughs back into the into the dish. <laughs> Ugh. Chicote <laughs> just pulls the A off the wall and puts up like a C. For Chicote? Yeah. After having seen that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not bad if you dip a piece of crusty loaf in there, you know? Mm. A nice crusty loaf goes a long way. That'll solve for almost any soup sin. Chicote is there to smell the soup and tell Neelix that if they had to go on a dangerous mission where someone could die, Neelix is his choice. <laughs> and Neelix does not Neelix chooses to take this as a compliment instead of the awful truth that it actually is. I'm so glad you could be here with us to probably die. <laughs> hey, you're not wearing a uniform that looks like it's pretty expensive, right? Why don't you change into something more expendable? Neelix, the cure is worse than the disease is not usually something people toss around when we're talking about preventive medicine. Right. Elsewhere in the corridor, Paris finds BLT to say goodbye and doesn't get punched in the face in the process. I feel like this is a, a particularly true thing of Tom Paris, but also a particularly true thing of Voyager overall, is that people are constantly like running to catch up with each other in the hallway. Yeah, like in I like that. TNG, we got lots of hallway walk and talks. That was a normal thing. But in Voyager, people are always like, Ooh, I see somebody way ahead of me in the hallway that I want to talk to. And and scenes always start with one person like finishing their trot to catch up. Paris really seems to be the Pepe Le Pew of this relationship. Can you remember a time where BLT was nice to him? <laughs> I mean I really can't. I have friends that have that sort of dynamic though, and like it actually works for them. We don't hang out enough as couples for you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Where friction is like part of the attraction for some people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For some people, more friction is more pleasure. That's why uh, she's ribbed for his pleasure. Nice moment for Paris and BLT. She does eventually soften up a little bit about the mission and uh, may or may not promise to not jeopardize everyone's lives. Because she didn't even write him like a Chief O'Brien letter or anything. Yeah. Or even give him a kiss goodbye, you know? She yeah. was just going to go. Don't like that. He's got, just asking for a little bit of consideration here. I don't think so. We're on the Malon freighter for most of the rest of the episode, and this is a great set. It really is. It is so fucking dirty. It is wet. It is smoky. It is dark. Really great job setting this up. The goo budget on this episode must have been through the roof. Like, they expended yeah. almost all of the budget on Ron Canada and goo. Smoke really does a lot of the work here, too, right? Like, who knows how big this thing is? <laughs> but if you're smoking the corners of the frame like a smoky vignette, yeah. 
It looks great. It turns out their tricorders are reacting with something in the atmosphere. So like when they initially get over there, there's tons of wharf lightning everywhere. And it actually causes an explosion before they turn off the tricorders. And yeah. uh, that's going to be an issue. And they're like, you know, they're walking around. They're trying to do the plan, right? Which is like vent everything into space on the deck above them close the doors, then go up to that deck. Do it the hard way, deck by deck, room by room. And they're like walking over corpses and finding broken shit the entire time. BLT takes her tunic off, revealing the uh, action tank top beneath. Wow, love to see it. Um, And uh, you'd love to see Chakotay pulling rank. Like he gets into this nose to nose with Ron Canada about like who's in charge of this mission. And... uh, Turns out when when Fesk abandoned ship, it meant that uh, it meant that this like reverted to a salvage operation. And so you're taking orders from Chicote, Fesk, not Fesk, Fesic. God fucking damn it! I did the thing that you were worried about. <laughs> That's frequently how it goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But also, Chicote seems a little bit worried about extending trust to the Melons. Like, there's like a thing that they're going to have to crawl into that's only big enough for yeah. two people, and Chicote wants one of his people to be one of the two on on, right. a, on a thing like that. BLT is the tiniest for crawling of, yeah. of the three, so I guess this makes sense. Yeah. So she goes off with Fesic, and uh, they're you know kind of talking to each other about you know, what his deal is while they're crawling through this Malon Jeffrey's tube. And we learn uh, some interesting stuff about him. He has hobbies. He's got another career, too. He's a sculptor, and this is only a part-time thing for him. And he considers it like a noble sacrifice for his... It, it's like... I feel bad for just characterizing the sculpting as a hobby. That's just how my mind has been warped by this capitalist society. You can't possibly make a living doing something you love. He's like, uh, he's like, I have a Patreon, and <laughs> <laughs> the amount I make has been privatized because it is stupid money. <laughs> What's your point? And and he also like makes the argument that the Melon are actually very careful when they select their dumping sites. I mean, this is belied a little bit by the them not giving a shit about the people that lived in the void mm-hmm. uh, issue in the episode that introduced these guys. But um, you know, he's not woke. He feels very good about what their society does with their unfortunate waste problem. The Malon ships are filled with switches, and it seems like a lot of them don't work. Like, the the mission they're on involves hitting a lot of them, and a lot of them malfunctioning, and then they're needing to separate and go hit the backup switches Right. as a result. <laughs> well, there's just so much goo on everything. Like, it's getting, yeah. it's gumming up the works. It's getting into the way the switches operate. It's, it's no yeah. surprise. You get a POV of, of the radiation monster that was mentioned before, and he sees in VHS. Yeah, the, the radiation monast- monster sees Pelk uh, working alone. This is the first rule of of Malon ship movies, you know? You don't want to have sex on the Malon ship. You mm. don't want to work alone, certainly. 
Pelk shows his nipples is the problem, and, <laughs> and you just can't do that on a Malon ship. Yeah, but uh, hubba hubba, am I right? That's what gets him in the monster's crosshairs. Yeah, if if Pelk hadn't been such a naughty teen, he yeah. he would have survived. But man, uh, he gets attacked, and uh, you know they hear him. They go they go rescue him. They like Neelix is trying to minister to him, trying to you know give him some injections and stuff. Uh, but Pelk pretty quickly goes, uh, you know, he's, he like, he, he says that he got attacked by the Vaharai, uh, before he like seizes up and, uh, goes into a coma and eventually dies. RSVP, Pelk. There are three things to remember about being a starship captain. Keep your shirt tucked in, go down with the ship and do it, do it, do it. Kind of a great hero shot of Ron Canada when he steps up after his fallen comrade dies. Mm -hmm. And the camera orbits all the way around him and he (laughs) says, this shit just got real. (laughs) Well, it's in this composition that you see, he's wearing a TC Tugger spacesuit. Do you see this thing (laughs) hanging off of the front of his belly? It keeps his still suit from sticking to his belly. And uh, and when you pull on it like that, (laughs) it it doesn't wrinkle up all the fabric. They're not like the Snuggie. Chakotay, who previously had been very paranoid about letting any of the Malons go off and do stuff by themselves, now isn't so much paranoid as just being like a big proponent of the buddy system. Yeah. Uh, so he says, like, no one works alone going forward. <laughs> he looks around and he's like, so everyone buddy up. Yeah. But where the hell is BLT? And BLT's done that thing that like John Rambo does in the second Rambo film where he covers covers himself with mud <laughs> to, to blend in. BLT is covered in Malon ship at yeah. this point. She is uh, she's looking real dirty. She looks totally ripplied up, doesn't she? She does. She looks tough as fuck in this episode. Why don't you put her in charge? Great episode for BLT in that way. If you're getting a little overwhelmed with Malon ship grossness though. Uh, come take a little break with us on the bridge of the Voyager, yeah. which has no smoke and very little grease uh, streaming down the walls. I will thank you for removing your shoes before you enter the bridge area. They are talking about a contingency if the uh, if keeping the freighter from blowing up uh, the manual way doesn't work out. Yeah. And um, Janeway wants Tuvok to figure out how to redirect the uh, travel trajectory of this ship to go into the corona of a nearby star because that will uh, somehow contain the theta radiation. Didn't you wonder why this wasn't a matter of Malon policy to begin with? Just chuck this stuff into the nearest star. Right. But I guess they want, it. it's sort of like uh, the space shuttle uh, fuel things, right? Like, like, they burned them up for decades, right. and now they're starting to reuse the fuel pods. Maybe, maybe the waste pods are too valuable to to send into the nearest star. The other thing I thought of is maybe it's maybe this putting it into a star is more a harm reduction strategy than a yeah. uh, save everyone strategy. Like at least it won't destroy everything for three light years. Like it will suck for this right. sector for a long time, but it won't like take out ships that you know had nothing to do with this three light years away and on star trek you can't be sure that that star isn't a star man Mm. (laughs) you know 
<laughs> so back on the Malon ship, uh, BLT has developed blisters from this radiation exposure. Yeah. And she is resistant to going to a Malon six bay until Chakotay orders her there. And what a great set within a set this Malon six bay is. They find it, it feels like a science fiction video game in there. Like, it's hard for me to describe any other way, but it really feels like we've puzzled our way into Alien 6 Bay, and we've got clues in there about what happened on this ship <laughs> and why everyone's dead. And yeah. there's a there's a Malon on the, on the bed, and Fezzik tells the story of what it's like to be a core laborer with a 2 in 10 survival ratio. It's the highest paying job on the ship, and... It is a difficult job to get. People want to work this job because of the great wealth that it can give you. Tough luck, huh? They make bank, and if they die doing it, their families get that bank. Sounds like a, like a you know, if you had a terminal illness and knew you were going to die anyways, be kind of a good way to go out, like leave your family yeah. with a little nest egg or whatever. Great way to go out. Love it. But, uh... Yeah, he shows her the device he's going to jab her with to fix the freighter blight that is starting to affect her. And this thing has two huge fucking huge fucking needles on it. And I'm not really a freak out about needles person, but when he shoves this thing into her neck, I was like, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this episode. If you're gonna have needles the, the size of chopsticks <sighs> like you must have the character flinch when they when two of them go into her fucking neck it's so upsetting that she doesn't flinch like somehow it's why more, doesn't she flinch it's more upsetting that she doesn't flinch exactly oh <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so gnarly i'd rather be a core laborer than ever look at that again like the thing that Fezzik could be injecting into BLT's neck could be boba. Like that's how <laughs> that's how big the gauge of these needles are. <laughs> Two boba straws going in, and she doesn't even flinch. Uh, what are the, they must have like uh, some kind of like antiseptic or, or a sedative thing on them, like a you know, like how uh, you can't feel the proboscis of a mosquito. Yeah. Until later. Yeah, it's it's got that numbing spray on its nose. Yeah, yeah. Back in the ass lab, uh, Seven and Tuvok discuss Janeway's plan. And it's clear that plans B and C are viable. And uh, plan D, Seven has two of those already. No. What was plan C again? It's, it's like... Uh, Strengthening their own shields. So it's like right. a yeah. mush the ship toward the star and also strengthen their defenses against the blast. Yeah, like special tuning for the shields that would protect against this particular type of radiation. Right. Tuvok, very pleased with uh, her work. And, yeah. uh, hey, uh, Tuvok, her work is up here. <laughs> Serving with Captain Janeway has taught me otherwise. When we cut back to the Malon ship, they're trying to decompress the deck above them. But uh, when Fezzik was punching in uh, which deck to decompress, he said, let's decompress deck D7. We just hit G8. What? And 
so gas is flying around. The like air is quickly escaping the room. They have to climb up the ladder more quickly than they had anticipated. This scene made me think the set was much bigger than I initially thought because there's a lot of running and laddering. There is. I don't know how much of this they built, but they, it seems like they built a ton. Does it seem like a Borg ship redress to you? It kind of felt like that in some places. They might have been able to recycle some of the standees or whatever, mm -hmm. just like dump more goo on them. Yeah. Because Borg ships are not totally dry, but they're not this wet. Yeah. That's what she says. While they're panicking and scrambling around trying to get out of here, we see the uh, alien POV again. Uh, we also see Chakotay catch a pipe in the face. Ugh. Yeah. Episode is fucking rugged. As much as you flinched about the the boba straw needles, this is the one that got me. Yeah. Nice POV of the shrapnel too, right? <laughs> yeah, you just see it like coming straight at the camera. I guess it's a I guess it's a CG pipe. Yeah. But uh it it's really convincing. And they have to like beam him directly to six bay. Chakotay is not there to supervise anymore. Yeah. Not there to pull rank on the Malons. And um And without Chakotay kind of holding together the command structure, shit starts to fall apart in an interpersonal way. Yeah. Good thing they have the morale officer there, right? But they're getting watched by the Predator Cam. And uh we see like the rubbery hand of the Predator Cam guy. What's troubling is the longer you think about what he might be doing watching them. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Because there are moments in the episode where the characters are like touching a railing and it's covered in like a nonspecific goo. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. He's turned this whole ship into his Nike shoebox. And, I mean, if you'll remember the very first moments they beamed over, can't use the tricorder. So right. their black lights don't work over there. <laughs> yeah, that'll set the wharf lightning off again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yuck. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you, and you have just crossed the line. With Chakotay out of there, Tuvok is really concerned and goes to the captain and is like, I think I should probably beam over there and help with the efforts of the away team because uh, right now BLT is in charge if I'm doing the math correctly and uh, given her rage issues I think uh, I think we know that that's not a great plan and Janeway is like despite all BLT's rage I am still just a captain who trusts her <laughs> <laughs> and Tuvok is like I do not believe that rhymes like a song should Perhaps uh, you could use something with the previous episode about despite all your rage, they've cured the Vidian phage. Mm. <laughs> and Janeway like, takes the note, but she's like, we're going to leave BLT in charge because I'm kind of like trying to give her a little, little bit of self-confidence right now. Yeah. I'm going to choose being a good captain over writing a good song. <laughs> What is BLT doing meditating while they're exposed to this amount of radiation? We don't have time for this shit. Especially because Neelix gives her a way to get off the hook. Because Neelix is like, oh, oh, BLT, you must be really tired from all the radiation. BLT should have been like, yeah, tired from the radiation and definitely not 
doing embarrassing meditation. That's not what I was doing. Is that why you stopped? You got embarrassed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Neelix laughs about it. Yeah. When you get caught meditating, you do not want the person catching you to laugh. It's uh... You'll never be able to meditate again after that. <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you doing meditating with that tube sock? You know, at a certain age, it gets harder and harder to meditate to begin with. You don't right. need all these extra obstacles. But then you're like, maybe I should like order something <laughs> to help, you know, an aid, if you will. Sure. And then you're like, but I don't want to like, I don't want it to like show up at the house and have my wife open it, you know? And it would just be my luck too that I would be found meditating. <laughs> and that's how I would go out. <laughs> You know, I like to meditate with uh, headphones in, Adam. How about you? <laughs> I know that. And uh, most of the crowd at our San Francisco show knows that. I think it was our L.A. show. Yeah. Because my mother-in-law was there <laughs> when that came up. We don't have time to argue about what happened. We've got to keep moving. So they finally make the control room of the Malon ship. But unfortunately, with 10 minutes left until it blows... All of the switches they hit don't seem sufficient to fix their problem. And in Six Bay, the doc asks Chakotay what happened to kill the Malon over there. Yeah. The doc is like something that is impervious to radiation. And so he has Seven recalibrate the sensors to scan for it. And back on the Malon ship, this plan A thing isn't going to work. Yeah. And now that they've picked up the radiation monster that's going toward them, like, plan B is the only thing they can do. Yeah, so they're real-time trying to fix the ship when they learn that there's a killer alien that is actively throwing Sabo into the gears of the freighter. And, and you know, they start to panic because there's something moving in here and it ain't them. <laughs> I love the graphic in the ass yeah. lab showing this. Like, I like, do, too. She's got, like, a whole, like cross-section schematic of the ship and and she can zoom in on specific hallways so yeah. cool it's great i love it it's getting super gassy on the mail on freighter though and that only adds to the tension right yeah because you can't fire a phaser in all that gas it's just gonna i mean like if you had shields and could go to warp at my command you might be able to survive something like that the best chance you got is this length of metal pipe and flailing <laughs> it around yeah. So BLT starts to kind of clubbing everything that moves with this, <laughs> this rebar. It's a real double dragon moment when when like the, the crowbar is flashing in the street uh -huh. and you pick it up. I think she 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 even clocks Ron Canada with this thing. It's a little unclear. I thought so too. Yeah. Uh, she clubs the TC Tugger right off the front of him. <laughs> uh, but then she uh, she gets into a stick fight with this radiation zombie. And uh, this uh, this radiation zombie uh, believes himself to already be dead. He's a Malon that, that got irradiated and didn't die. He's, he's like somehow adapted to being immune to theta radiation. And... So he's like, you know, trying to show like the the real truth about what happens to core workers or something. And he doesn't care who he has to take out to make his statement. I mean, environmental terrorism, just the worst scourge 
of the mm. galaxy, right? Where we- do these people get off? <laughs> like, who are they to tell us that we can't kill this whale? <laughs> this 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 climactic moment turns into a like can BLT use her diplomacy skills and her anger management skills to solve the situation? And the answer that this episode provides is How about new? No? She's gonna hit this guy with a pipe a bunch <laughs> to save the day. <laughs> BLT is a hard pipe hitting Klingon, it turns out. <laughs> Yeah, and that doesn't mean that she enjoys the use of crack cocaine. It's She's literally hitting people with pipes. Up until the very last moment, I thought BLT was going to both hit and save this guy. Like, right. But it's the Ron Canada character that she picks up and helps to beam away. That kind of made me sad. This core laborer guy gets the shit piped out of him. Yeah. But unclear whether or not he's dead until the ship goes boom. He didn't deserve what happened to him. He made some bad decisions in reaction to that, but it is a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> what, what goes down here. Can you be prosecuted for murder if the person you murdered said that they're already dead? Oh, that's a loophole, actually. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Go easy on yourself, BLT. He said he was already dead. It's fine. Yeah. So BLT swings the pipe, hits the switch, and drags Ron Canada to a place where uh, they and Neelix can beam away. And this ship coasts into the star. It blows big. And we're back in Six Bay where a very dirty BLT is congratulated by Chakotay. And uh, the doc in that very same room tells the Malon captain that there's nothing he can do to save him. <laughs> it's so mean. <laughs> like, BLT, all you need is a sonic shower. You'll be ready to work tonight. <laughs> but this poor bastard, yeah, he'll it, be dead before the morning. In less happy news. <laughs> I guess we'll drop you off with your people or whatever. I hope you didn't leave a lot of unfinished sculptures back at your workshop. I hope that Malon ship is really hitting the pedal to the metal. <laughs> I was really hoping we were getting a, a recurring character for Ron Canada here, but we are not. Ron Canada is the only thing recurring, and I like it. It's an occupational hazard. So uh, BLT heads back to her quarters. She is uh, still totally caked with radioactive Malon grease. Um, she gets into the uh, the sonic shower and like has like a flashback to beating the fuck out of that guy with the pipe. Yeah, and then she moves closer to the nozzle of the sonic shower. She's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) That was fucking great. I'm surprised the uh, episode ended with full frontal nudity and a (laughs) masturbation sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like this episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Was this episode a jugger or a juggernaut? <laughs> is really the question. <laughs> what an episode of Greatest Gen is what uh. I think. 
Yeah. Somebody on the Reddit was like, Ben and Adam don't talk about film production techniques anymore. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah, I believe I told that person to stick a finger in their ass. It was it was a great return to Reddit for me. <laughs> yeah. That was Adam's first and last time on Reddit in a long time. I'll say this. I mean, big ups for a Ron Canada episode. Big ups for a great set. The Malon ship set, amazing. How dirty Roxanne Dawson was willing to get. Holy yeah. moly, like full Ripley cosplay here. She was great in this. I don't know how many more Malon stories you can tell. If this is it for the Malon, I'm satisfied that we've done all the Malon. Yeah. There's sort of like a Babylon 5 aspect to how this episode looks and feels, though. Did you feel that at all? It is a little bit Babylon 5 It's got. I, I can't it, explain that. It's got a little dusting of. Bruce Boxmuncher. <laughs> yeah. I should be able to articulate why that is, but I think all you B5 stands out there will know what I mean mm-hmm. when I say that this one uh, is a little B5 adjacent. Uh, fun episode. Fun episode to talk about. I might be done with the junk people. What about you? I'm not wild about the the way they tie this one up. Like, <laughs> Oh, you're not? I kind of like the she'll shower but she'll never feel clean kind of kind of ending the, like, to this. The silkwood effect. I'm yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the like like bludgeon to death the victim of a uh of a toxic radiation accident because you disagree with his plan of action. He was already dead, Ben. I know. I'm he just said saying it. It's a little bit unstarched. It's a little bit more of a Babylon 5 ending to this thing than, you know? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Star Trek usually is about, like, finding, uh, like, common ground and that kind of thing. So all that said, I thought it was a really fun episode to watch. And, uh, dude, anytime you bring Ron Canada into into an episode of Trek, I'm on the edge of my couch. I love it. Yeah, give me more hero shots with Ron Canada. Bring Ron Canada onto New Trek. What are they doing? What are they doing? You're telling me Ron Canada won't pick up the phone? 14 Redditors and people on Twitter are going to be like, yeah, actually, Ron Canada and Double Rainbow Guy, like, they died together. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised you didn't know that. No, Ron Canada, still acting. Hell He's yeah. He's in the new Wu-Tang series. God, of course he is. He's in all the good stuff. People also ask, is Ron Canada his real name? Answer, Ronald Ellis Canada is an American actor with a specialty in portraying judges and detectives. (laughs) I wonder if he's related to Jeffrey Canada. Great question. We can only hope. We may never know, Ben, but uh, one thing I do know is that we've got some priority one messages just waiting for us. Yeah, we gotta get to those. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. They say time is the fire in which we burn. Then perhaps today is a good day to check out don'tcallittimetravel.com. It's a 2023 short story project where every Sunday all year long you'll find a new short story about 
well, you know, from time loops to line hopping, just don't call it time travel. Oh. All, all friends of DeSoto everywhere should come join a stranger and enjoy speculative tales about probabilities in the fourth dimension. Just listen to this review. This is fucking spectacular. Wow. So, uh... I guess Chief O'Brien has given uh, the, the O'Brien stamp of approval to don'tcallittimetravel.com. And uh, you can head to don'tcallittimetravel.com for a, a new story every Sunday. I like this. You're, yeah. not, you're not subscribing to a thing. You're not signing up for a thing. You're going to a website every Sunday, and you're reading a new publication. It looks like there's already 12 stories on here. How about that? That's a lot of stories. Yeah, just don't call it time travel, all right? No, that's not what they are. Look, that is for time travelers to say. That is not for you to say. Yeah, that's not your word. <laughs> well, uh, that's uh, that's something that I'm going to check out on Sundays. Um, J.T. Cross is the author of those stories, and uh, I hope other friends of DeSoto will check them out as well. Ben, our next priority one message is from Nikki, and it's to Grant. That message goes like this. I thought I'd spend some tax refund money supporting this rad podcast you introduced me to as a way to mark the end of our two-year adventure reading Lord of the Rings together. Whoa. Who knows when this will air? So maybe happy birthday? Merry Christmas, or just I'll call you Wednesday morning like always. <laughs> and in parentheses, it says, to be clear, this is your gift for all of this year's occasions. <laughs> yeah. Don't get greedy, Grant. You got your gift. Yeah. Nikki knows great value in uh, in the catch-all <laughs> of a priority one message. Uh, I love uh, just just checking off all of those boxes in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we've got one last priority one message here. It's from Notorious FOD, and it is to Elon Musk can eat a bag of dicks. And it goes like this. This is more of a comment than a question, but everyone knows when you pass go in Monopoly, you collect $200. What my theory presupposes is, shouldn't you guys be doing a power hour every time you pass square hundred in the game of buttholes, even when you don't land on it? Please debate this topic as Kevin Uxbridge and Kern results are legally binding. The problem with playing board games that last a certain amount of time is that I do not remember where I last left off. Therefore, who's to say which episodes are power hour squares? If we make every time we pass 100 a power hour square, then potentially aren't all squares everywhere power hour squares given the existence of the caretaker square? Ben, I don't know how many power hours I can do. I, I had exactly two beers last night and woke up with a hangover. I, I don't know what's going on with me. Oh, so it sounds like you're a 40-plus-year-old uh, man or some shit. You know, I'm almost out of broad is what I am, and we need to, to make with the broad quote ASAP. Oh, man, yeah. Check uh, check in with... We'll, we'll check in with our, our buddy... At the Broad Company and see if uh, he would like to sponsor the show again and yeah. maybe maybe get the FODs a deal for next time they want to 
order some broads. We definitely have to have that code before STLV. Uh, that would be great, yeah. Um, if not, I still have at least enough for the two of us for STLV. So. You and me and no one at the Pranica Cabanica. <laughs> yeah. Bring BYO Broad is going to be the uh, the rule this year. We will not be providing them. What? You what? I can't hear you. <laughs> I only brought Broad for me. <laughs> me and Ben. If you've got something to say to all friends of DeSoto everywhere, make it a priority one message over at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Uh, well, Adam, uh, it's time... I believe, for me to ask you a question. It's finally going to happen, isn't it? What do you have to ask me, Ben? Do you have yourself a drunk Shimoda for this episode? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Oh, that's your question? Yeah. All right. We never heard back from that couple that there was a proposal in a P1 right before the Max Fun Drive. Hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Ah, this is killing me. (laughs) I keep thinking about it. The network has to know to float that reply to the top, right? I got to text Danny Baruela at the network, see what's going on. Because if that's come in and he, and he put it down at the bottom, that's the wrong way to play this. We got to find out. Uh, yeah, pretty unfortunate way to start the whole uh, employee ownership situation over there at the network, right? <laughs> Already dropping these very important messages. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's possible that this dude got proposed to but then lost his job like on the same day. Like it was a real like, you know, take the good with the bad kind of day, but also like I'm not dropping a hundred bucks to reply to you kind of a deal. God, oh, I hope not. That would I'm just trying to put good out into the world. Good feelings, yeah. good vibes. I hope we hear good news from them soon. Fingies crossed. Yeah. Uh, Adam, did you have a drunk motive? <laughs> the, uh, the Malon engineer who uh, runs around... With a with a little model Malon ship, yeah, that's about as joyful as it gets on a Malon freighter, isn't it? It really is. Find the joy wherever you can. And uh, as a superior officer, it can be tempting to, um, you know, scold a crew person for enjoying some of their idle time aboard a ship. But Ron Canada is my drunk Shimoda for tolerating that behavior. And also for being Ron Canada. Pelk has made that model for Ron Canada's kid. So I think that's part of the arithmetic there. It's like Ron Canada could be like, God, you're so annoying with the model, but I usually promise my kid I'm going to bring something home from one of these missions and I I forgot to pick that up. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, Pelk, you'd really be doing me a solid. In the gift shop at the freighter port. <laughs> yeah. If you could just go ahead and give me that model, I think that would really, really get me out of jail at home. Next episode of the show is season five, episode 21, Someone to Watch Over Me. The doctor tries to introduce Seven of Nine to the concept of dating. Hmm. Does the doctor introduce her to that concept in the form of dating him? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, that would be weird. That'd yeah. be a weird way to take on a role, your role as a uh, as an instructor. Yeah. Speaking of roles, Adam, I've got a roll of dice here at the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. 
where our runabout is on square 57. Uh, looks like there's a space butthole we could hit, which would take us to a Quark's bar. And uh, I think that's I think that's the only thing in range. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this thing. I rolled a one. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. So we're on square 58. Regular episode next week. And uh, that Quark's bar remains in play. All right. I like having that out there waiting. I like having Friends of DeSoto out there all over the country, all over the world. It's a worldwide population of the best people. Friends of DeSoto meeting each other, proposing to each other. Not replying to those proposals. Right. Uh, (laughs) Who, Who are we to judge? There are lots of places all over to uh, hang out with those Friends of DeSoto. There's a Mastodon at friendsofdesoto.social. And, uh, boy, there's just so many great folks uh, all over all different types of social media that, uh, you know, make it a fun time to hang out online and talk about our show, talk about Star Trek, make dick and fart jokes, etc. I am way, way, way overdue for an appearance on the Discord one of my favorite places to interact with friends of DeSoto. You can find that at drunkshimoto.com. If you're going to websites, maybe check out podshop.biz and uh, get yourself a bit of merch. Uh, That's a great way to support our show and also uh, wear it on your chest or wear it on your coffee mug. We got to thank Wendy Pretty, the producer and editor of this fine program. Got to thank Bill Tilly, our social media director, who runs the At Greatest Trek accounts on Mastodon, Instagram, and other social media platforms. And you got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original theme music for this show. One of the best. Adam Ragusea has his own podcast, great podcast, and a YouTube show. With that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. In an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where the Doctor tries to get Seven to date us? <laughs> and somehow we're not enough man for her. Both the two of us together, not enough man. Not a surprise. <laughs> I think she would call us insufficient. <laughs> that would be a very Borg put down. Yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.